Hey, Bulls Nation. Welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Gentile. And this is our first episode since the trade deadline. And my God, what has happened to the Chicago Bulls? Three and eight since acquiring Nikola Vucevic and some other, well, I guess what we thought were key pieces to the roster. We'll definitely get into this because I need to talk out what's going on right now. So in a little bit, Bulls Nation, we're going to go through some Chicago Bulls therapy, and I have the perfect person to help us with that. But first, quickly just want to talk about our Media Matters series. That, of course, launched a few weeks ago. I want to thank everybody that's given that a listen. Uh, I've gotten some positive feedback from, from you, the listeners, through my DMs. Also, some people that have been on the Rebuildable podcast before have uh, sent some very kind words. So really appreciate that, and, and thanks again for listening. Uh, but if you haven't given it a listen yet, I encourage you to check it out. If you are somebody that likes the people in Chicago sports media that work behind the scenes or out in front as a reporter, a radio personality, a podcaster, I'm profiling those people by asking them why they got into the industry, uh, what they do in their day-to-day roles, so you, the listener, can know uh, what goes into being a reporter, what goes into being a podcaster, uh, what goes into all that behind-the-scenes work to give us the content we really enjoy. I know a lot of you uh, that listen to the Rebuildable podcast You love Chicago sports, and you consume this content on a daily basis. So they tell us how they do their jobs, and they also share their thoughts on where they think the industry is heading. In our first two episodes, we had Tony Gill, who's been a big friend of the podcast here. Uh, He talked about his role as a producer at 670 The Score and NBC Sports Chicago. We had Annie Costable on our second episode. Uh, She's a multimedia reporter from the Chicago Sun-Times. She previously was on the Red Stars beat. She's going to take over the Chicago Sky beat. But we have a couple more episodes coming up. On April 19th, Casey Johnson is going to join me. I mean, look, you're all Bulls fans. Casey is one of the best Bulls beat writers, if not the best Bulls beat writer in the city. He's going to talk about his time at the Tribune, why he made the move to NBC Sports Chicago, and where he sees his career and the industry morphing in the next five to ten years. I'm also going to be joined later in the month by Mike Riley. Mike Riley is a journalism professor at the University of Illinois Chicago, UIC. He was my professor when I was at DePaul University, but he's also a media consultant, and he's always been at the cutting edge in sports journalism, uh, whether it's the, the platforms reporters use or the gadgets reporters use. He's always been at the forefront of it. He certainly imparted wisdom on his journalism students about 10, 15 years ago, that the industry was going to change and the role of a reporter was going to change to a multimedia content creator. So his thoughts are also very interesting. So I encourage you to check these episodes out. All you have to do is do what you're doing now. Be a subscriber to the Rebuildable podcast or follow us on Twitter at rebuild underscore a underscore bowl. The latest episodes of the Media Matters series will be delivered to you right away. But let's pivot back to our discussion about the Bulls. They're three and eight since the acquisition of Nikola Vucevic, Daniel Tice, and Troy Brown Jr. They've lost to lowly teams like the Minnesota Timberwolves and most recently the Orlando Magic. Now we're getting word that Zach Levine could be out anywhere from 10 to 14 days 
because of health and safety protocols. So this is not an ideal spot to be in. I know like many other Bulls fans, I was excited on the day of the trade deadline. When I saw the Bulls acquire Nikola Vucevic and made the, the subsequent moves for Tice and Brown, I thought the Bulls were definitely going for it. I thought this was going to reinforce the roster, start to get that bad taste from the previous regime out of our mouths, and put the Bulls in a position where they would be competing for the playoffs, at least getting into that play-in area, right? I thought for sure with these additions, they would at the very worst be a 7 or 8 seed. But here we are, they're 10 games under 500 at 22 and 32, barely hanging on to the 10th spot in the Eastern Conference. And this is a very weak conference. The Chicago Bulls, to me, at least when the deal was made, I thought had the pieces to make this playoff push. You have an all-star in Zach Levine. You're acquiring an all-star in Nikola Vucevic, and I get it. He's older. He's not a high-level A-list all-star, but he's certainly very productive. He always has been productive. And even at his age, 30, he still has another year or two left in him of, of high productivity, and the Bulls don't have that much left on his contract anyway, and it's a de-escalating contract. So to me, it seemed like a no-brainer move. You're flipping Wendell Carter, Otto Porter's contract, for an all-star center who's highly productive on the offensive side of the floor. Don't get me wrong. He has deficiencies on defense, but he's still very productive. And you would take Nikola Vucevic on your roster all day, every day, over Wendell Carter. And if you think Wendell Carter was a better piece to have on the roster... I question your basketball acumen, but was he a good piece defensively? Sure, but he also had a problem against some of the bigger centers in the NBA, and that's fact. Offensively, he was extremely inconsistent, and the inconsistency factor is something that's plaguing other members of this roster. Kobe White, Laurie Markkinen, these are guys that you need consistent productivity from to make this push, and I think that's the problem. Both those pieces on the bench right now are too inconsistent. So where do the Bulls go from here? Because that Vucevic trade included two protected first-round picks, but they're only top four protected. So if the Chicago Bulls miss the playoffs and the Orlando Magic get your pick because it falls outside the top four in a very deep draft, that's going to be a very tough pill to swallow for Bulls fans because you want to make sure that this team gets better. Like, I think it's pretty evident Laurie Markkinen's not going to be here. Kobe White isn't looking like he's going to be some type of all-star caliber player in this league. He might be a very good role player and a really good spark plug off the bench. In most cases, you'll take that from a number seven pick. But with the way this rebuild started with the previous regime, you were hoping to get more productivity and really hit on that pick. And it's looking like he's not going to be that all-star caliber player which is unfortunate because it, it means Arturis Karnaschovas, Mark Eversley have a lot more work to do this offseason in improving the roster. It's not just going to be on them to find a starting point guard, but they might have to find some other solutions and role players to fill out the rest of this roster. And we still need to see, I think, more when Zach Levine gets back from these health and safety protocols, if he and Vucevic really do play well off of each other. We've seen it in spurts. Be nice to see it more consistently. Let's keep this discussion going, though. I want to bring in one of my favorite guests on the Rebuildable podcast. He is the co-host of the Bowlon Bulls podcast, 
and he's also one of the Bulls outcasts, formerly the Bulls outsiders. You can catch them on the Hot Mike app after Bulls games, and I think they, they carry some of that content on YouTube as well. Joining me is none other than Big Dave Watson. Dave, thanks for coming on, and, and should we start our Bulls therapy session right away? You know what, Matt? I mean, take a seat on the couch. I got my notepad. <laughs> I got my pen. I get my glasses and put them on my nose, too. I get my cardigan sweater and put it on, man. I am here for you. I'm here to talk you off that ledge, man. Just, you know, lay it all on me, man. Give me all your issues, all your problems. I got you. All right, well, let, let, me, let me first start with a question, Dave. How surprised are you right now? Like, 22 and 32, 3-8 and eight since the Vucevic trade. I mean, I wasn't expecting this. I, how surprised are you with all this going on? Uh, I want to say I'm not surprised, but then when I went back and looked at my takes after this trade happened, I was like, oh, I should be surprised because I was drinking the Kool-Aid and it felt so good drinking it. It felt good, man. It tasted delicious. It was great flavored. It was amazing. And I was on, um, what show was I on? Oh, I was on a show I, I host called Open Gym Sports and Culture. And I got on there and I have all my Bulls gear on, everything. I have a Bulls sweater on, I have a Bulls hat have my Bulls flip-flops, you know. I hadn't been that excited about the Bulls. And so I'm like, oh, man, we in the playoffs. They were like, where you going to be? I'm like, you know what? We're six seed. I'm doing it. We're six seed. We're going in, man. That's what's going to happen. I was that excited. I was that driven and that serious about it. And it felt good to say, and I don't regret saying it because I haven't been able to feel like that <laughs> in years about the Bulls. So, yeah, that's who I was. But as it went on, you know, and I was watching the team. I was like, this looks like a for real basketball team. Like, even though they were losing out West, which you expected, they looked legitimate. Like, everything mm-hmm. looked good. Everything was working. Everything was moving. Everything looked logical. So I was excited about getting off of that trip and coming back and going against these Eastern Conference opponents because the first one you went against was the Nets, and they beat up the Nets like you're supposed to. Then the next game, I believe, was the Rockets. And they beat uh, – was it Rockets or Toronto? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It was yeah, it was one of those because yeah, they beat the Rockets and then they beat Toronto, and then we're going for our fourth win in a row. Which, as I continue to tell people, Zach has never won four games in a row in his career in the NBA. So I was very excited. And then after that first half <laughs> against Atlanta, I remember tweeting out, "You know what? The Bulls are a real team. I don't care what you say. They are real. This is a real basketball team." And then it was just downhill everywhere else from there so you feel like you jinxed the bulls is that what you're saying no people have told me that i don't feel that way at all because i appreciate people you know giving me that power i really do (laughs) um but i gotta tell them all the time nobody nobody's around when you're right you know everybody's around when when you say something wrong everybody's around for that so no i I don't mind it at all i don't mind it at all i honestly like i i feel like I think every Bulls fan felt that way. I know I felt pretty good after that first half. Like, you felt, okay, they're going to try to get Zach 50, but this team's clicking. And it, they, he was scoring at a high rate with the ball moving. And then that second half, it was like, let's just stand around and get Zach his 50. Yes, and, yes. and, like, since that moment, this team, I feel like, has been in a, in a odd funk. And I can't, for the life of me, point out, the main issues, because I feel like there's little things here. There's there's inconsistencies with Kobe White and, and Larry Markinen off the bench. There's poor defense, maybe with the exception of a few guys on the roster, like 
you know, Troy Brown and Daniel Tice. There's no true starting caliber point guard on this team. And, and we knew that was an issue post-deadline. But, I mean, what is the biggest issue with this current setup? For me, it's point guard. Uh, I think you hit it mm-hmm. right there. No team, no, you can't be a good team without a point guard in the NBA. Like, it's just, that's a fact. You got to have mm-hmm. a point guard. Even if your point guard isn't your best player or he's your best scorer or best whatever, he has to be serviceable. He has to be good. You know, like, you got to be able to depend on him uh, to come through for you and, you know, set up everything for everybody. That's what, that's why I love Rondo so much because he removes thinking. Like, great point guards do that. They remove thinking for guys. Um, so I remember that year when they played Boston, and the reason they looked like they were clicking was because nobody was thinking. Everybody was doing what Rondo told them to do. And that's why Bobby mm-hmm. Portis had 19 points in a playoff game because he just did what he said. Here, go here. I'll give you the ball. You shoot it. So, yeah, you need a point guard to remove thinking for you. And if you can look at any team you want to that, that is successful, they have a good point guard. That's just what it is. And there are very few exceptions to that, very few. Um, just watching Sadoransky and watching Kobe just hurts your heart because you're mm-hmm. like, if I could combine both of these guys, I'd have the point guard I want. <laughs> you know, you want to combine Sadoransky's vision and his ability to, to, you know, find the open man when they're cutting. You want to combine that with Kobe's shooting and his confidence and his speed, you know? And then be like, man, you know what? I have a legitimate NBA point guard if we do that. Uh, but, you know, we haven't got that technology yet, so we can't well, combine people. That that kind of scares me because it reminds me of the old Bears fan take. If if you took Kyle Orton's brain and you put it with Rex Grossman's arm, you'd have a super quarterback. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. you still have a trash quarterback. I don't believe that at all. So <laughs> that quarterback is Well, I mean, yeah, I think people overvalued, you know, Kyle Orton's smarts back in the day. But Yes, uh, yeah. very much. <laughs> Just because he threw it to the open one receiver that was three yards out? No. That don't make you a good quarterback, okay? I, you combine them together, they're still bad, okay? I don't care what you say. It's double the trash at that double point. The tra- <laughs> double the trash, yes. But I but I know Stato can pass, and I know he can do that. And I know Kobe can score, and I know he can do that. So watching Stato, and that's always been my biggest debate when I'll be talking up uh, Matt Peck, my man Matt, because we would always go back and forth on Kobe and uh Tomas and my he always wanted you know Sadoransky to start and mm-hmm. my thing was I was like dude I have no problem sending Kobe White to the bench but I'm not sending him to a bench for somebody I don't think that isn't better than him like give me a better point guard I have no issue with that but when he put Sato in I understood it you needed stability you know you need somebody that can find the open man and, and see when a big dude is open in the paint instead of just keeping your head down and moving forward I completely got mm-hmm. all that the issue is Sato will give you a couple of games where he doesn't score a single point. And right. then he can't be on the floor. And then in the fourth quarter, when you need him and his stability, he can't be on the floor because he's a liability. He can't score. So teams ain't looking at him. and not worrying about him. We just saw that a couple of games back where he didn't have a single point the entire game and had no assist in the second half. So I got a guy with zero points and zero assists, and you're talking about putting him in in the fourth? I can't do that. Kobe, get in there. Go do that. And Kobe scored 11 in the fourth. And that, that's what you got. It's, it, I think that's what's so maddening about all this because if you got any type of offensive production from, from Sadoransky, I think it would, it would kind of let you ease off on Kobe White a little bit. Like I think some of the, the ire of Bulls fans is the fact that 
you're expecting Kobe White to be a pure facilitating point guard and have that scoring pop. And I think what we're seeing is he might be a really good combo guard in this league. Like, you know, what he might be is the guy that comes off the bench can go off for 15, 20 points, and that's that's his role. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with the number seven pick doing that. But when you don't get offensive production at all from Tomas Sadoransky, I mean, it, it, almost, it puts like this giant microscope on Kobe. And I kind of feel bad for him a little bit. Mm, yeah, I hear you on that one, man. And you can see how his game has kind of dwindled since he's gone to the bench. Uh, when he was starting, I think he was averaging 16, 5, and 5. And mm-hmm. I guarantee you he's not averaging that now. <laughs> when he's no. coming off the bench. And doesn't even look like he's trying to. Like, all his mistakes are more magnified now. Um, because he's not on the floor as often. So I, that's why I think a guy like that has to start. Because anytime a guy can get you 30, I'm like, I need him on the floor. But to do that, you got to get playing time. But again, I understand why they took him off. I get it. It makes sense. You you mm-hmm. got Vooch. You know, you, you want to feed him. You got Zach. You want to facilitate and get guys open who are your scorers. I get that. It, make, it makes all the basketball sense in the world. But again, if you can't put the ball in the basket and give me 10 plus points a game, it's going to be a problem. Now, Sada was doing that when he first for the first few games. I remember it. He was averaging like 13, 14, and 7. You know what I mean? Like 13, 13 14 points and like 7 assists. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we needed. And then, doom, you know, it just went down and it went away, as, as it usually does with him. And he gets yeah. back to his, you know, regular averages, you know, which is like 6 points, 5 rebounds, 4 assists. That's that's what you're going to get. So, yeah, it, it, it bothers me that Kobe um, has fallen off and – especially when his scoring isn't working. Cause if he's not scoring, he's really, you know, hindering, you know, your offense yeah. and your defense when he's not putting the ball in the basket. So it's just tough all the way around, man, but it just magnifies the fact that bull definitely need a point guard. Well, and I think like before you, you hopped on, I had said that the emphasis for this off season is, is going to be even greater to find that point guard. Um, and it's a tall order, you know, cause you, you made this move, I think, with you know, this Vucevic move with the idea of getting into the postseason and if you miss it and Orlando gets that pick because you're not in the top four, now this offseason is super crucial because you're going to have to you know find your way through free agency to fill a lot of roles on this team and, and fill that point guard spot. So it's, it's a tall order. Yeah, very much so. Very tall. But I trust AK and, and Mark Eversley to – take care of that they tried to do it you know during the trade deadline yeah. and because you know it came out that nobody spoke to new orleans more about lonzo ball than the chicago bulls so they were trying mm-hmm. but david griffin you know just wanted too much he wanted he wanted more than the bulls are willing to give up and knowing how yeah. bad we needed a point guard i trust ak in that uh instance right there because no he knows what we need he knows it he sees it so yeah. for him to say let's wait and let's pause on it. Let's me know that they wanted way too much that he was willing to give right. up. So I'm completely okay with that. So, yeah. For, for that, I mean, is Lonzo target number one for you this off season, or would you rather have them swing some type of masterful move that we're not even thinking about right now? What I have learned about those guys in the front office is it's never the guy that you're looking at. It's mm. always, it's always somebody that just is mentioned in passing and nobody, you just say, yeah, they're not going to even get them. They did that in the draft. They did that with this trade. They did that with the coach. 
It was never mm-hmm. nobody that you're looking at. So for me and my man Chris, aka C Dub, I'm rolling with him on this. I want De'Aaron Fox. That's who I want, and I, and I want the Bulls to swing to try to get De'Aaron Fox on his team because the better Tyrese Halliburton plays for them, the more expendable De'Aaron Fox becomes for them, and mm. be, and that's the reason that is is because they're not winning. It's just really that simple. Is and they know, and I know he just signed this nice contract. I get it. He just got a nice big old contract. But it's going to become crowded back there because Tyrese Halliburton, you don't have to pay as much for the next few years. And yeah. so you can get, if he grows and just gets better and the team starts, you know, kind of acclimating themselves to him and, you know, kind of looking at him a little bit more, De'Aaron Fox is going to be the odd man out on there. And that's who I want. I want De'Aaron yeah. Fox. So I want the Bulls to try to take a swing and get him. If they can't, yeah, bring me Lonzo too. I'm, I'm with it all. The De'Aaron Fox thing I would love. Yeah. It's just gonna probably create a, it's gonna have to be something very creative to make it happen. Like, yes, I know. <laughs> because you know the, the Vooch trade does hurt you if you lose this year's pick. If somehow the Bulls end up in like the top four, that oh like you know, they miss the playoffs, they're in the lottery, they get the, the lottery ball bounces their way and they end up in the top four and it's their pick again. Anything's possible at that point. But yeah. I mean, it is a deep draft, so maybe you, you take your swing there, but I'd rather have the pro-ready guy in, in, in Fox for sure. Oh, no question about it. And, and you're right. I know it's a pipe dream, and I know that it's very going to be very hard to maneuver and do, but I remember Orlando saying there in no way, shape, or form trading Vooch. I remember it. They put it out, and they said, this isn't happening. We're not letting him go. I remember them telling us that there's no way the Bulls are getting Billy Donovan. Like, I remember it. Like, I remember them saying this. There's no way. It's not going to yeah. happen. So they, they make a habit of doing things that people aren't looking at that they say kind of in passing. So yeah. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with them not believing it, you know. So let's just see what they do in the offseason. But, yeah, the point guard, yeah, we need to get it. And if we don't get Fox, yeah, Lonzo Ball is definitely next on my list. Is there anything else that's kind of taking you off? I know you and I have talked many times since you've been on this podcast. And – one of the things you and I have talked about a lot is Laurie Markkinen. The inconsistency since year one. And it's like, it just won't stop. And like, right now, I think I'm at my wits end with, with Laurie Markkinen. Like, th- this guy's going to be a productive player in the NBA. He was drafted by this previous regime to be more than that. And I get it. AK and Mark Eversley, it's not their guy. But again, this creates more problems in how you construct this roster and it, it's going to create problems this year if you want to make a playoff push, if he's not performing at a consistent level or being aggressive at least night in and night out. Yeah, man, it, it hurts uh, to watch him suck. It really <laughs> does. Um, he's just not been good, man. And I'm sure going to the bench, you know, affects your psyche and, you know, how you want to play. But he looked solid when he first went to the bench and they were doing that West Coast trip and everything and they were playing small. And he was out playing a little bit better. You know, he was just aggressive, which is all you've been begging him to do since he got into the league, right? So watching him struggle, man, and and just forget how to play basketball, the same way I would watch Wendell Carter Jr. forget how to play basketball. It Mm -hmm. just bothers me to no end watching him out there, man. And uh, it's it's maddening because you know how much I love him. You know how much I love Lowry Marketing, man, and how much mm-hmm. I believe in this kid, man, and how much I wanted him to be that guy. So to watch him have to go to the bench and it being the right move, you know, sending him to the bench 
for 14, you know, sad young, 14-year veteran, sad young, man. I, it, it hurts. It hurts watching him suck, but, man, it's tough. It's tough, man. He stinks. It really is. <laughs> well, before – you know what's crazy? Before the Vooch trade, I, I, I said this on the episode – a couple episodes before. You can't have your second best player being Thaddeus Young. Even if – you know, Thaddeus Young's a great role player, but that can't be your second best player. And, and like, that's an, a huge indictment on a guy like Larry Markkinen because that, that was the role he was supposed to fill. That's why the previous regime drafted him, and now here you are. And it's what kind of team? Like, I still don't know what kind of team the Bulls are. I want to think they're good. I look at all of these individual pieces. I look at Zach Levine. I like what I see. I look at Vucevic. I like what I see. Thad Young, I love him as a as a role player. I like Laurie Markkinen's ability. I like Kobe White's ability. I like Tomas Sadaransky's ability. I like Patrick Williams' ability. He's still young and raw. But for some reason, this just isn't gelling. And that, that's a concerning thing for me. And what's the root of that? Like, I, And that's the hardest thing probably to answer, though, Dave. Sure, but sure. What is it? That's, that's definitely the million-dollar question. Um the root of it, man. I, honestly, I, I just keep going back to point guard. That's all I keep seeing. Because all these mistakes I see them make as far as when they've got a lead and then they get to that fourth quarter and they don't know how to settle it down when a team makes a run. That's what a point mm-hmm. guard is supposed to do. Point guard is supposed to get the ball, relax, calm down, run this. This is what we're running. Everybody go this way, go this way, go that way. This is the play we're going to run, okay? Calm down. He knows the next three plays that we're going to run. That's what a point guard is for. And when I see Zach Levine is the person bringing up the ball to do that, that's not going to work because that's not what he does. That's not his mm-hmm. move. That's not his MO. Sadoransky can't be in there on the floor because he can't score. So he can't provide that. And then I, you, we've seen Kobe White. You know that's not what he does, okay? So that's the issue to me. Like, that's your number one straight-up issue is you don't have somebody to lead your offense, you know, as a point guard and let everybody know where they need to be and be in position. You know, and I heard – it was one of the first times I disagreed with AK because they talked about getting a point guard and how important it was when they got uh, Vooch. And he was saying, you know, well, well, I mean, why is it that important? I mean, you know, Vooch has the skills to pass the ball and get everybody involved and facilitate. I'm like – yeah, but in the fourth quarter come, he's not bringing the ball up, setting up the offense, and getting everybody to where no. they need to be. No, that's not what he's going to do. He's going to be the one going to post and say, yo, give me the basketball. That's his job. So, and Zach struggles delivering the ball to people. We, we continue to see that his whole career, right? So you got mm-hmm. that problem. You got Sato can't be out there on the floor. You got Kobe not being able to facilitate. <clears throat> so it's going to be disastrous for them in, in those moments that they need to score or need to slow down and just calm themselves and be collective. So for me, that's mm-hmm. that's the biggest issue. Well, and, and that whole issue you brought up there about them not being able to get calmed down and, and collected when, when runs start to happen against them, we've seen it a lot this year, even before the trade, instances where they're turning the ball over at such an alarming rate. And that, I think, I think you're 100% right. Getting a point guard could help that out. Um, and I had you and, and Matt Peck on shortly after Billy Donovan got hired. And I think we were all certainly very happy with the move. We praised it. And I, I don't want to throw the hammer down on him because I think it's 
don't think it's fully like fair to criticize him, but I, I do think it's fair to kind of question some things that he's done. Do you think there's been a bit of an odd handling with some of the rotations for the Bulls? Like, I, I don't know if it's him trying to search for something that works, but like a good example here lately has been with, with Troy Brown not getting him into the into the lineup until, you know, recently when you could tell this is somebody who is good defensively and gives you that scoring pop, you know, a little bit more and a little bit better than a Denzel Valentine does. So why did it take so long to get him out there? How have you kind of seen Billy Donovan so far this year and, and how he's handled the rotations? Uh, you're right. Um, in no sense that it's been weird on some of those rotations. It, but overall, I give him a lot of rope for this first season Um, Mm -hmm. because I know I see the talent or lack thereof on this team that we have. So even in yesterday's game that they lost, I believe he had 11 people play in like the second quarter. Like (laughs) there were 11, that 11 people play for the Bulls in the second quarter. So obviously he's still searching for something. And obviously he's still trying to find something that he's comfortable with. Um, Now, yeah, I haven't, I've scratched my head at a couple of those rotations. Like, well, why isn't he in? Or why is he still in? You know, like watching him still try to figure out Denzel Valentine is hilarious to me because I keep saying he he he's like, I guess, napalm or something. You know what I mean? Like you you have to harness it, you know, because when he explodes, you you have to kind of, you know, rein it back in. Like, OK, all right. I used it. All right. Go sit back on the bench. And, and Billy's like, nah, leave him back out there. Let's let him run for three more plays. And then that's when he dribbles the ball off his knee. And that's when he shoots yeah. the air ball. You know, and that's when he makes those mistakes because he's in there too long. So maybe a lot of it is filling out process for him, trying to fill out who, who he's comfortable with and who he can trust. But, yeah, those have been head scratchers. I haven't liked all his timeouts. I, it bothers me when, when they get the rebound, they're about to run the break, and he calls a timeout. That bothers me to no end. I don't like that. Um, mm-hmm. But then, again, like I'm saying, I'm looking at the team, man, and I'm like, okay, maybe he's just trying to really figure something out here and trying to see who really can do what. Because mm-hmm. it's hard for me to get hard into him knowing the talent and knowing the trash that he was kind of handed. So that's why I kind of, you know, be like, okay, well, I know you're good, and I know you can coach, but I'm going to let you, you know, get to your rope here. But, you know, you're going to come to the end of the rope soon, you know, because mm-hmm. a rope ends at some point in time. And I think it'll be that next season when I start, you know, okay, let me look at him a little more harshly because I expect the Bulls – to have some answers at certain positions. No, and, and I think that's a, a fair assessment too. Like I, I definitely want to see once that point guard's added, once they kind of fill out the roster with better role players, what happens then? How does he handle the rotations in those scenarios? As we start to wrap up here, I want to ask you, where do you think this is headed? 10 games under 500. They're right now just barely clinging on to that 10th spot. So they're in that play-in scenario. Where do you think this ends? Do you think that things are going to pick up? I know you're an optimistic guy when it comes to this, but do you do you think that it's going to pick up, or do you think it's going to kind of be status quo? Well, I tell all people all the time, my, my optimism is steeped in logic, so I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not an insane optimist. Uh, <laughs> I'm definitely a, a logical. Op- the only time I went insane was when they got booed, and, and that's when I was just like, yes, you know, because I hadn't felt that kind of euphoria in quite a long time. Um, where do I see them? I still see them in the playing game. I still see it. Uh, what scares me and what has always scared me was Washington 
because just having those two caliber players on your team, I don't see how they are not in the playoffs, having a Westbrook and having a Bill and seeing how well they're playing now uh, because they got my man Daniel Gaffer now, and I just knew he was going to thrive there because they were like, oh, you're tall and you dunk? Great. You know, like Westbrook, <laughs> this is all I do is throw assist. Here, here, go ahead, dunk the ball. Like, this would be great for you. Um, so, But I still see the Bulls hanging on to that tendency. I still see us in the bubble. Um, going into that play-in game. Uh, I, I do. I just That's that's kind of how I see it. It's going to be really interesting also, Matt, uh, knowing that Zach Levine, you know, is going to be out uh, these next yeah. few days, you know, with that with the uh, COVID protocol. He'll be out the next 10 to 14 days. They got a lot of games within the 10 to 14 days. And mm-hmm. it's going to be really interesting to watch uh, what this team is going to look like and who's willing to step up. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be – honestly, I'm excited to watch it. I mean, I'm really excited to just watch how this ball movement is and how this team looks and who really wants to play. I'm really excited to see and how good Vooch wants to be, you know what I'm saying, with this team and how much he wants to be that number one guy for us because he's number Mm -hmm. one right now. He's number one, two, three, four, and five right now. So, yeah, it's it's going to be on him, man. It's going to be really interesting because I think it's about eight games we're going to have likely without Zach. And – I'm actually really interested to see if maybe the rotations get shuffled and, and we might see Daniel Tice in the starting lineup, maybe to reinforce Ooh. some defensive ability uh, next to Vucevic. So moving Thad back to the bench, but I don't know. It's something to to ponder. You know what's interesting about what you just said, what just crossed my mind, is the Bulls have a lot of players that are really good bench players, you know? So oh, yeah. moving moving Thad back to the bench is still a good move. You know what I'm saying? And right. putting Tice in the starting lineup with next to Booze, like you said, I'm like, yeah, that's still a good move. Like they got a lot of interchangeable parts and pieces. And there's nobody who I'm like has to start except for Booch and Zach. So right. they got a lot of interchangeable. So even doing something like that. I think that'd be interesting to watch. There's so, But again, like we're, we're talking again about Billy Donovan and his rotations and things that, you know, he still hasn't figured out yet because we don't know, you know? So yeah, that's the, yeah. again, well, I'm giving him some rope. So yeah, those are some of the reasons. I wouldn't be surprised also Kobe White could end up sliding into that, that role of filling Zach's scoring void. So it wouldn't surprise me if we see that too. It might be beneficial for, for Kobe White. You might see him get on a bit of a hot streak. Or they might go with that lineup that they had um, against Phoenix that I like, that big lineup where they had Patrick Williams playing the two. Um, I like that lineup. I did. I enjoyed it. That was probably one of my favorite Bulls games to watch just as far as offensive scheme-wise uh, because they were just like, yeah, we're bigger than you. And, that, and those are the games Lowry is good in because Lowry is good when he's taller than everybody. He was like, mm. oh, yeah, I'm bigger than everybody on Phoenix. Yes, give me the basketball. I know I can dominate. So that's going to be interesting to watch. That that will be a lot of fun. Real quick, uh, so you're now doing Outcast. It's on the Hot Mic app, correct? Correct, sir. Okay, and for those that don't have the Hot Mic app, are you, I know you do – I saw some of them were on YouTube. Is that still a thing or – Yes, definitely still a thing. If you – well, you can – like, like uh, Matt said, you can – Watch our show, The Bulls Outcast. Myself, uh, Matt Peck, and John Sabine. We do the fourth quarter and we do the post game on Hot Mike. You can join us on Hot Mike. It's a free app. You can come on. You can get in the chat with all those crazy people, wonderful people who are in there with us, talking Bulls and pretty much anything. Um, and allows you to tip us too uh, if you like or you hate what we're saying. 
um, you can give us a couple bucks for it too. And you can come on and join us for a small fee. You can actually come on the show and actually just hang out with us and talk. So that's also really cool too. But if you don't want to do that, you can go to the Bow Sports YouTube page and you can go to our YouTube page and watch the show live there. Uh, you can go to our Ball Facebook page and watch the show live there also. And if you miss uh, the show, after every single show, we'll have the podcast up on the Ball Sports Network uh, for your enjoyment that very next day. So, yeah, it, a bunch of ways to hear us. Uh, everything's definitely running through uh, the Ball Sports Network and uh, Hot Mike. So, yeah, it's plenty of ways to get in touch and hear what we do. Well, and it's it's great because I know, like, a lot of Bulls fans like myself really did enjoy seeing you guys after – the game so it's kind of a way to to get back and to continue that dave real quick i really appreciate you coming on today i know it's been a rough day in chicago i definitely appreciate you taking some time to just talk some some bulls and, and talk about mediocre basketball on a really rough day yeah man i mean matt come on whenever you hit me to do anything like i'm like okay yeah sure i got you even on tough days like today and you know watching police murder children on camera mm-hmm. and um yeah just going through that kind of pain i mean just my heart goes out to the family man like because that's as painful as it might be for me i mean it's extra painful for his mom you know Mm -hmm. i mean because her child isn't here anymore for complying uh with somebody who killed her killed killed her child so yeah it has to be more painful for her man so man much love to to his family um but yeah all this it's it's been tough it's been a tough day um but like i said i'm this is my personality, bro. Like, I'm. It's not. It's not a phony positive thing. Like, it's just who I am. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just inherently inside of me. You know, it's what I what I do and who I am. So, but yeah, man. I mean, tough is tough, and and hard is hard, and you know, BS is BS, and this is some some real BS. And changes got to be made, man. Seriously, these changes have to be made because you're murdering children, children, and yeah. I can't stress that enough. Children, yeah. murdering kids. It- and, you know, I, I, I had said before, Dave, that there was uh, one media personality who, who called him a 13-year-old man. When you're 13 years old, you're, you're not a man. You're a child. You're a child, bro. You're a you're child. child. You're, you're a child with, with no weapon in your, with, with your hands up. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're a child, man. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I have no, no just uh, more patience for that kind of thing. And... Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, it, it hits you hard and, and it should hit you hard. You know, I, I question your soul if it doesn't hit you hard. So I question yeah. your soul, the TV personality that you talked about, um, mm-hmm. because that stuff, how does how doesn't that affect you? You know, watching no. your child be murdered. So, yeah, man, it's been a tough day, definitely in the city. Um, but, man, yeah, all I can do is, is pray and show much love to his family and continue to just fight and help in any way I possibly can. So that's, that's all Absolutely. we really can do, at least on my end. Absolutely. No, Dave, and again, thank you so much for hopping on. And as always, you're, you're one of my favorite guests, and I can't wait to talk to you soon about uh, maybe maybe a better Bulls team. Oh, it's going to happen. It's going to be happening, man. I'm telling you, it's going to be a better Bulls team. It's a thing. It's a thing, man. It's a thing. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully, hopefully Billy Donovan listens. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Rebuildable Podcast. Be sure to check us out and subscribe on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever else you stream your podcasts.